thought, I'm so excited for church today. I'm excited for this message. I'm excited for the series that we are on. Uh, it's a series on discipleship. We only have a couple more weeks left of it. Um, we're going to have an awesome Thanksgiving service this year, so please make make plans to attend. It's going to be really cool this year. Um, but uh, as we wrap up this series, we've been talking about discipleship, about following Jesus and what that means, and then pouring into other people who who are hungry to follow Jesus. And we call that being a disciple and making disciples. And today the focus is on delegation. Delegation. The delegation of work. The delegation of responsibility. The delegation of the call. In our graphic today, um, I try to be a, a little bit ironic in the fact that you've got this person standing all alone with this big daunting landscape in front of them. And a lot of times we this is what we think about when it comes to evangelism. And this is what we think about when it comes to discipleship. We think we're all alone. I want to make something abundantly clear in this message that we do this together. There are no lone rangers. We're not called to do this alone. We are called to do this together. We're called to do discipleship together, evangelism together. The example that we're following is the example that Jesus set for us. That's what this whole series has been about. So let's read a couple passages. Matthew 28, 19 and 20 says this, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. You guys, we're not alone in the fact that Jesus is with us always, but we're still called to do this together. Acts 1.8 says this, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Notice the pattern of outward expansion here. Of, of, of starting in our kitchen and working our way out. Be a bold witness in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, beyond until the whole world is reached. Okay, so with that in mind, I got a couple maps we're going to show us. Okay, this is a map of our region. See the little red outlined area right there? That is the city limits of Erie. So that's Erie, okay? So that's Erie, and you, you, you see Lafayette, Louisville, and Decono, and Superior, and, and Westminster. Okay, so this represents everywhere that we live. Everyone in this church who calls the church home, um, except for maybe a, a family in Portland and Boston, you know, that still call it home, even though they're not here. They live there. They live within the confines of this map. Okay, we got strike zone number one. Can we see a circle of, you know, I don't know exactly how many mile radius it is. Okay, but this is zone one. And based on Acts chapter one, we've created regions or zones that are strike zones of bold evangelism. So there's zone one. So zone two, so now there's no overlap of zone of zones. So zone one is here. Zone two is like a donut. Okay, so don't go into zone one. That's just not appropriate. So we got zone one, zone two, you got a donut of zone two. Zone three, you got a bigger donut of zone three. Still no overlapping. This is zone four. 
And zone 5 is the uttermost parts of the earth. Now, we've got envelopes that we're going to give everybody in the day that in those envelopes, it tells what zone you are, and on it are the most challenging people in that zone that you're going to reach for the kingdom of God. We've got their addresses, their places of work, the places they jog. We're going to have, we have all that printed out, so we're going to give you those. So we're going to go into those zones, and you're going to evangelize in those zones. Now, for the people in zone 5, you're going to earn a lot of sky miles. You're going to earn a lot of travel because you don't just have this region. Like you, you have, you have the whole world minus zones one, two, three, and four. Okay, so it starts here. So you got Bennett, you got Centennial, and you got, you know, uh, Fraser, um, but you've also got like, you know, Des Moines and Honolulu, you know, and 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 uh, Tokyo. So, um, so I'll give you guys those envelopes at the very end, very clearly defines parameters of your zones. Um, there'll be no mistake. Can you imagine if we did that? You guys can exhale now because we are not doing that. Okay? Can you imagine if we did that? The whole model of Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the world. You guys are not just strike zones. These aren't just zones that, that we're called to, to be strategic in. We're supposed to so grab a hold of the gospel of Jesus Christ that we can't help but share. And we share in our kitchen, and we share in our neighbors, and we share in our region, and we share in Erie, and then we share in our zone, our zones. We share, if we live in Erie, we're still sharing in Lafayette, Louisville, and Superior, and Westminster, and we're sharing Jesus. We have the world as our inheritance. We get to take the gospel to the world. There's no disqualifiers on how the Lord will use us if we are seeking Him and knowing Him. He'll use the willing. The word for follow, we've talked a lot about following in discipleship. That word is Akalutheo. And here's the translation of that word for follow that's used in the New Testament. Akalutheo says to follow one who proceeds. To join him as his attendant. You know what attendant means? It's an assistant to an important person. An assistant to someone who's important. To accompany him. To join one as a disciple. To become or be his disciple, to side with his party, to cleave steadfastly to one, conforming wholly to his example in living and, if need be, in dying also. This is how the Strong's Concordance translates that word follow. This is the word that Jesus used when he said to his disciples, follow me. Follow me. Church, we are called to be an assistant to a very important person. We have a part that we are called to in this kingdom work of Jesus Christ. We're included in his plan. And friends, that should humble each and every one of us. He chose me. He chose you. 
included in his plan of reaching the nations with his love. He chose you. He includes you. We're asked to side with Jesus. To wholly conform to his example in life and if need be in death. Very few of us in this room will be asked to conform to his life in death. Very few of us who live in zone one will be called to go to Timbuktu to minister. Or Uganda. Or even Windsor. Jesus didn't ask anything of his disciples at first, only to follow. Do you realize that? When we look at the Word of God and we see how Jesus made disciples, he didn't ask anything of them at first. He said, just follow. He didn't give them tasks. He didn't give them responsibilities. There was no punch list. There was no things to do. His only instruction at the beginning was, follow me. But this is what that word follow means, guys. To be on his side. To be an assistant to an important person. To wholly agree with him and walk with him. So look at the kind of people that Jesus called to be his disciples. Peter, Andrew, James, and John were working as fishermen when they got called. They were mending nets, some of them. They were working. Matthew was at work when Jesus called him. Matthew was was collecting taxes for a militaristic government entity when Jesus called. Jesus called people when they were working and work is part of that call of being his disciple. But before we work, we follow. Before we work, we stay close to him. We draw close to him. We walk with him. We talk with him. We listen. He says, come with me. Jesus also called gatherers. It's amazing. Andrew got Peter. Philip found Nathaniel. And Matthew, as soon as he's called, he throws a party, he throws a feast, and invites Jesus and his friends. Jesus called gatherers. Friends, evangelism is part of our call. We are called to gather people. We are called to bring people to Jesus and to provide a setting where we know Jesus is going to be so that their lives can be changed for him as well. Even though Jesus called men who were workers and gatherers, he asked very little of his disciples at first. He just wanted them to walk with him and see his example. You want to know how to pray? Walk with Jesus and see how he prays. You want to see how to lay hands on the sick? Walk with Jesus and see how he lays hands on the sick. See how he speaks in authority. See how he casts out devils. See how he see how he fellowships. See how he laughs and has fun. See how he rests. See how he works. See his example. Jesus saying, follow me. Watch me interact with the Father. 
Watch me observe how I do these things. Watch me observe how I value prayer. Watch me observe how, how I value Scripture. Watch me interact with people. See how I value people. Friends, we're still called to do that. To see how Jesus loves the Father, raves about the Holy Spirit, loves people, interacts with people, loves Scripture, values prayer. We're called to do that as disciples, to follow. Friends, before there's any work for us to do, we got to follow. Before there's anything for us to be trusted with, we got to follow and we got to know the heart of Jesus. Jesus did not ask his disciples to evangelize at first. He just said, follow and watch. And then after a while, he started giving them work to do. So what was some of that work that he asked them to do? At first, it was manual labor. He asked them to be responsible for the manual burdens of getting food, of providing food, of gathering food and distributing food. He asked them to arrange accommodations for the group. Find a room. Hey, can you organize a room? He also, early on, he let some people baptize. That must have been a thrill. It's like, you know, it's great getting food for people and finding a room, but, you know, I got to baptize someone this week. Yay! It didn't start with the stuff that we think is the glamorous, kingdom-changing stuff. It started with a willingness to be obedient and a willingness to serve and a willingness to do what Jesus asked, and it started with work. Discipleship, which includes and often starts with evangelism, is not an optional accessory in our lives. It's not optional. You don't leave it to the loud ones. You don't leave it to Pastor Mark because he's loud and he can talk to anybody at any time about anything and he loves to talk about Jesus. Let Mark do it. I'll do it because I'm called to do it because it's not an option because I'm a child of God. But you're called to do it as well. Friends, we're not alone in doing this. God puts us together in families. It says he brings the orphans to family. We get to do this together. This doesn't have to be some scary thing. But friends, if we won't talk about how good our Jesus is, what in the world do we talk to our friends about? What do we talk to our coworkers about? If we're not willing to let them know about our God and about just how good He is, do we value prayer? And one of the best ways that we can get our foot in the door is to pray for someone. Because people for the most part, I think, are, are, are vulnerable in, when they're having a hard time and they'll let you know. For the most part, I think that's true of people. Oh, I'm having a rough day. Oh, oh, I'm hurting. I mean, and they might not come out and say, I'm hurting, but they'll, they'll tell you the story to let you know they're hurting. What an opportunity to say, hey, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry you're having a rough day and I, I'm sorry you're hurting. I want to pray for you right now. I'm just going to invite Jesus to to bring healing because he loves you. And just start praying. I don't even ask permission anymore. Not, I mean, if you're a friend, man, you, man, it ain't no permission. I'm praying for you. If you're a co-worker and you're an acquaintance, I'm praying for you. Just like if you had a bowl of M&Ms on your desk. 
I'm not asking for an M&M. We work together. I'm going into your M&Ms. When it comes to prayer, we should be quick to, to go into their M&Ms. We are asked to follow and observe. And then before he sends us on this evangelistic mission, we're asked to do other things. Hey, would you greet some people on Sunday morning when we come to church? Would you be that first smiling face? Would you greet some people? Hey, would you open up the church on Monday evenings because we have an AA group that meets here and we need, we need someone from the church to, to represent Christ. Would you open up the door on Mondays and... And, and greet this AA group and just bring hope to them and just point them to Jesus in, in even the, the, the littlest way, even if it's a smile. Hey, we're going to have a blood drive. Would you, would you come and, and give blood and, and invite friends and meet some people? Would you be a friend to somebody? Hey, would you help with the sound? Would you set up snacks for the teens? Would you make a meal or would you buy a take-and-bake pizza for someone that's had a really hard stretch and they're really going through a tough time and a meal would make such a difference? These are the things we're asked to do once we start following Jesus. These are things every single one of us can do. Friends, you're not going to be called to this. You're not going to hear Sean Connery's voice you know, of God saying, Kara. Go make cookies. When we have the heart of the Father, we respond with the heart of the Father. We hear an opportunity, and all of a sudden we go, I can do that. I can help. I can be included in that. I'm not too busy. I, I, I can make a batch of cookies. I can get a take and bake pizza. I can do something. I, I can greet people. I can, I can do this. I can do that. And we're not talking about being overwhelmed with it. I'm talking about just an act of service, an act that reflects that we have the heart of Father, that we've been walking with Jesus and we've seen what he does and we go, I can do that, I can do that, I can do that. See, friends, when it comes to the cross, when it comes to the end of Jesus' discipleship, we can't do that. The price he paid, none of us could do that. But he did that. But the example he led for us for three and a half years of ministry, we see things and he says, you can do that. You can do that. And then when we get to the cross, he says, only I can do that. Only I can do that. Help teach kids. Be a part of a life group. Start a life group. Start a Bible study. Now those are a little bit more daunting. Those are like, whoa, you had me at cookies. And now you're asking me to teach a class. I, I get it. I get it. These are a little bit more daunting. But once again, you're not alone. So can I teach with somebody? Absolutely. We have two teachers in the room. So if you're not ready to teach a class, are you willing to be an assistant? That's great. Hey, I'm not willing to lead a life group, but you know, uh, I'll host it. If someone else comes in, I'll, I'll host it. I, I can make sure we've got Triscuits and, and cheese. And I can make a pot of coffee. And we can use my house. Would someone lead this life group? Absolutely. Friends, let's not talk ourselves out of the opportunities that God lays before us. We will never, please hear me, we will never answer the call to such challenging and difficult things as going to Uganda. 
if we aren't willing to serve and work in these little things. And see, God's never going to call you to Uganda if you can't serve and greet someone at the front door. Or, or you can't help carry some two-by-fours because we're building, you know, the the, uh, the platform. We're building a stage or a sound booth. We just need someone, you know, to carry wood and to help with cuts and stuff that's like, well, I'm not called to do that. Who is? Who is called to toilets? I'm not called to toilets, but I clean them. Well, pastor, I... I want to lead a, a mission trip to Uganda. I want to minister to the cannibalistic tribe of the Chakawu. <laughs> That's awesome and very brave of you. But can you just grab some Cheetos for the teens? No, no. People, follow me. Follow me to the Chakawu. Follow me to Uganda. We are fools if we ever follow someone to something like going to the Chakubu tribe in Uganda when that person hasn't demonstrated that they're willing to lead in being a servant-hearted follower of Jesus. But pastor, I want to preach. Show me your fruit. Show me your fruit. You know, as Christians, we're not allowed to judge, but we're allowed to judge fruit. We're allowed to judge fruit not people. We can look at the fruit and say, oh, apple tree, fruit. Sometimes we want to do these big like action hero ministries, but we haven't endured the training and the building of character that's needed to get us to the place where we can see that we can succeed in that big action hero role. Friends, if we're not willing to serve, there will never be opportunity for someone to teach or preach in this house. Every task that takes place in the church, elders in this church have done. There's not a task that we would ask you to do that elders haven't done first. We've cleaned toilets. We've mopped floors. We've taken out trash. We've, we've worked with the teens. We've, I mean, honestly, there's not a task. We're not asking you to do anything that we wouldn't do. We're trying to model what we saw Jesus doing, and we're modeling it too. And there is no hierarchy here. We're all servants of God. Show me why you're worthy to lead such a mission. Worthy is an interesting word. It is an interesting word. We confuse it sometimes for justified. So the Bible says that we are justified in Christ, that, that we come to Christ just as we are, and we are saved. We don't got to clean ourselves up. We don't got to, you know, when, we, when it comes to salvation, we are justified by Christ. Just as we are, we are saved. But as we are growing in the Lord, there's a word that's used throughout called worthy. Worthy. And we don't like this word because this makes us very uncomfortable. Sounds like it might not be a Jesus word it is. Let me give us four quick examples. But first let me tell you what the definition of this word worthy is. The passages I'm going to read, the word is axios. I butcher a lot of Greek and Hebrew words. This one's pretty easy. Axios. It means having the same weight of another thing of like value worth as much 
in agreement corresponding to a thing praiseworthy of one who has merited anything worthy. Okay, that's the definition of worthy. Now let's read these four passages. We're going to be in Ephesians one, Colossians, or Ephesians four, Colossians one, Philippians one, and then Matthew ten. Ephesians one, one through four says, "I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called." And this is how we walk it out: with all humility and gentleness, with patience bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Ah, it's beautiful. There's one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. Isn't that great? Talking about walking worthy of the calling. Okay, let's look at Colossians 1, 9, and 10. And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. Same word. Fully pleasing to him. Bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Church, I'm here to tell you right now, if we come to church here every week and we are not increasing and growing in the Lord... That is not right. That is not what we're called to do. We're called to grow in the Lord. We're called to be stretched. You know, Andy uh, referenced a a quote that Tyron had last week, and Christine posted it uh, on our our Instagram page, and it said that we're not... um, uh, Give me the word. Give me the quote. We're not called to... Okay. So we, we comfort the troubled but we trouble the comfortable. I like that. Friends, we're supposed to be stretched. Philippians 1.27 Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ so that whether I come and see you or I'm absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. Worthy of the calling. Worthy of the Lord. Worthy of the gospel. Jesus wants us to walk in unity. That speaks of worthiness to do the weighty things of the Lord. He wants us to walk in love and peace and gentleness and character. And that speaks of worthiness to walk in the weighty things of the Lord. Friends, go to go to first. I mean, don't go now. I'm just saying. Later, go to First Timothy three and see what the the qualifications are of a leader, of an elder, of a deacon. It's all character. You want to be worthy to be to be a leader in the house of God. You have to walk in character. It's not about anointing, and I love anointing. And I thank God for the anointing, and it's it's what breaks yokes and strongholds. But anointing is not what what. Uh, decides who can be a leader. It's character. It's godly character. And then Matthew 5. I'm sorry, Matthew 10, verse 5. These 12 Jesus sent out, instructing them, go nowhere among the Gentiles and enter no town of the Samaritans. Verse 11. 
and whatever town or village you enter, find out who is what? Who is worthy in it and stay there until you depart. As you enter the house, greet it. And if the house is worthy, let your peace come upon it. And if it is not worthy, let your peace return to you. I want to read that definition of worthy again. Having the same weight. Having the same weight as another thing. Having the same worth. In agreement and corresponding to a thing. And then flat out being praiseworthy. Being of merit and being of worth. Friends, when we talk about being worthy, we, we can't be worthy if we're not in agreement with God. And we can't be in agreement with God if we're not following Jesus. We can't be in step with Jesus if we're not in step with Jesus. This is what it means to be a disciple. And this is what it means to begin making disciples. There's a quote by C.T. Studd. Love that name. He's a missionary and a zealous giver. If you look him up, that's what you're going to find. C.T. Studd, zealous giver and missionary. And he has this quote, If Jesus Christ be God and died for me, no sacrifice can be too great for me to make for him. If Jesus Christ be God, and died for me. No sacrifice can be too great for me to make for him. If, uh, if our worship team could come up. You guys, there's got to be a willingness in our heart to follow Christ to demonstrate his heart, to do things as he did. You guys, I, man, I, I value diversity. I value diversity. You know, as a pastor, we, we have certain, we still have certain freedoms that I love, that I absolutely love. And I love the freedom that I get to choose my team. Did you know that? I get to choose my team. Jesus chose his team. I get to choose my team. And I love the fact that Brian Kimberlin's on my team because that guy and I are different. He sees things a different way. He communicates things a different way. He has a different perspective. He, he, he gives to this team with a way that is unique to him that strengthens us. And there's diversity there. I could, I could rattle off people on this team and say, diverse, diverse, diverse. We're, we're diverse. We're supposed to be diverse. We see things from a different perspective. We don't want to be a yes man. And Lord knows, I don't want a bunch of yes men. But I also don't want someone who is not looking at things from faith and looking at things from the heart of God saying, if Jesus is with us, then, then we're going to succeed. Let's seek the Lord and wisdom on how to do it. Looking out there. You know, Peter, can you help me with this wobbly desk? 
you know, this desk is just wobbly. I need, we need to just level it out. Can you give me a hand? Great. Thanks. This desk works great now. Thanks, man. Nicely done. Peter, we need hands with, with the kids this week. You know, we, we just, we're, we're short-handed. There's a couple tasks. Can you come help? And thank you for coming and help. Nicely done. That was great. Thank you so much. That went smooth. Peter, Jesus wants you to go pray for that man on that park bench over there. Jesus says he's really hurting. And he needs you to go remind him that that Jesus wants to heal him. Why don't you go pray for him? And he goes over and prays for him and reminds him of Jesus. And then instead of nicely done and hearing that from the person asking, he hears what? Well done. Good and faithful servant. Matthew 25, 22 through 23 says this. It's talking about the parable of the talents. And he also who had the two talents came forward saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here, I have made two talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been minister- you have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. Into, enter into the joy of your master. Before he sends us on that evangelistic journey, friends, we got to be faithful with a little. we got to be faithful with, with five talents or two talents or one talent and not bury it or not despise it. You want to be a higher capacity person? Then be faithful with what God's given you the little and he will grow your capacity whether you can take on armies. The apostles were not sent out on their own. They were sent out in groups as small as two. This is an incredible encouragement that we don't do it alone, guys. We're not supposed to do it alone. When we do Jesus' life together with other people, other worthy gifts, even more gifts will emerge from our lives that we haven't even dreamed of. This, this mutual support, this, this relationship, this doing life together, this serving the king together, it leads us into a new dimension of fellowship. Guys, we, we crave fellowship. We crave friendships. Then let's do kingdom work together. Let's do kingdom work together. It causes those relationships to thrive. Leadership in the New Testament is almost always plural. Almost always. It's elders, not elder. There's not supposed to be some, some you know, point man that's the only elder. It's supposed to be a plurality of elders. Elders. It's supposed to be team. Be sent out two by two. Actually, I guess that was animals. Just sit out two, I guess. Bringing in some celebrated evangelist is not the model we see in the New Testament. Oh man, this, this woman has the most amazing evangelistic gift. She's going to come in and she's going to do the work of an evangelist for, for this house. She's gonna, we're going to go to the park and she's going to evangelize and we're good for the year. That's not, that's not the New Testament model. We're supposed to do the work of an evangelist. 
But I'm not an evangelist. Neither am I. I'm a pastor. But I'm still supposed to do the work of an evangelist. Delegate. 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 Friends, right now, some of us are in this place where we're just walking with Jesus. And that's exactly where we're supposed to be. Not doing anything. We're just walking with Him. And that's where you're supposed to be. And just stay by His side. And observe everything He does. And then some of us, He's saying, Hey, I I need you for some kind of food disbursement. I need... You, to arrange this. I have, I have some small tasks for you. And if we're in that place, then do it. And then there's other of us that he's like, I need to send you out to Timbuktu and I'm sending you with Brian. You and Brian are going to Timbuktu. And if that's where you are, do it. But I don't see anywhere in the Word where we're supposed to do nothing. I don't see anywhere in the Word that, that God uses someone doing nothing. He, he uses the willing. He uses those that, that will gather and that will work and that will follow and that will obey and that will love him and embrace him. So church, we're not asking you to do the daunting task of making disciples if you aren't ready. Just follow. Just follow it first. Follow godly men and women who are following Jesus. You know, follow me as I follow Christ. Follow other godly men who are following Jesus and just follow and, and see how it's done and be cool with that. Sit and observe for a season. But then when that season is over, find ways to serve. I know that there are some ladies and men, because Greg is really great at this, who make wonderful treats out there every every week. So for our guests and for those that are in that season of just following Jesus, those are the only people that those are free for. Everyone else, there's a cost associated with that tasty muffin. Ain't no free donuts. Ain't no free donuts. You, you got to work. And I say that jokingly, but friends, we got to work. We're called to work. We're, we're called to do this thing, this kingdom work. And if we're outside of that space of following, all we got to do is say, Lord, what do you want me to do? And he's going to open our eyes to something and just jump in and do it. Greet somebody. Pray for somebody. Point someone to Jesus. Gather some folks. Start a study. Start a, a life group. Cultivate unity. Cultivate relationship. And then grab some of those Jesus-loving people and go tell someone else about how good our God is.